I've studied the form of comics intimately. What you need is a hobby. The words and pictures, it could be more of an art form. What the fuck are you talking about? I don't know, it's pretty goddamn weird. A guy dresses up like a double and he's a blind lawyer, you know? We have to do Aquaman. No one with a lick of sense would watch that show. The word fan actually is a, an abbreviated form of fanatic. And there are some people who fit that category. I believe comics are our last link to an ancient way of passing on history. You can put on a uniform for football, year-round, nobody cares. Basketball, year-round, nobody cares. Put on a Star Trek uniform, people get a case of the giggles. Yeah, hi, somebody told me they make comic books here. That's from Superman? Smallville. You have been trying that Jedi mind shit on me since the eighth grade. It doesn't work. Oh, it works. You guys must read too many comic books or something. People do not masturbate in the DC universe. That was the biggest load of crap I've ever heard. Hello, 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 and welcome back to Trennis Magnus Punches Reality, presented by Two True Freaks. I'm your host, Magnus, and what I do is I talk about comics, movies, and TV shows. And I guess let's cut this shit. Primarily what I talk about is comics, because God knows that's what I'm going to be talking about this week. Now, I've said in really a bunch of previous episodes that... One of my favorite types of stories, whether it's a comic book or it's a movie or just or whatever else, one of my favorite types of stories is that that sort of one crazy night type of story. You know, it's a it's a story that it basically takes place really within the span of just a few hours, and all kinds of wacky shit is happening. And I think that this is one of those few truly universal concepts that can. It can be used in, in any any type of genre, or at least in comics, any any character can do this, or any team of characters, or, or what have you. You know, this is just a really neat idea. Follow a character or a group of people or whatever for a period of just a couple of hours, and you know, the, the entire narrative takes place all in one night, you know, one crazy night. And I can't even really give you like a rational justification for that, you know? Like everybody I guess has a has a type of story that they're sort of a sort of a mark for. And this is one of mine, you know? I like I say, it, it kind of it, it defies rational analysis, so I'm not even going to really try to analyze it. So, I've talked about those types of stories on this show in the past and indeed I'm going to be talking about another one today. But before I get into the blood and guts of all of that, let me just say that what we're going to be talking about today is, it's an issue of Detective Comics. This is Detective Comics number 612, cover date is March 1990. And I had to come to this, uh, come to today's comic as a back issue. And the reason for that is, for those of you who are, who are not familiar, with my history as a collector, I didn't actually start following Batman comics until Detective Comics number 618, 618. And so that was really my entree into Batman comics. And from the very start, does that make sense? 
from the very beginning, I knew that there was something special about the about the creative team on Detective Comics at this time. And I speak here specifically of uh, the writer, Alan Grant, and the penciler, Norm Brayfogle. For some reason, they had this weird ability to bring the best out of each other. I'm not saying that Brayfogle never drew anybody else's uh, stories well. He certainly did. And I'm not saying that Alan Grant never wrote uh, a, a solid a solid story that Bray Fogle didn't draw because he totally did. But for some reason, Alan Grant's sensibilities, especially in terms of what makes for a good Batman story, line up pretty much perfectly with Norm Brayfogle's sensibilities about what makes a good story, specifically a good Batman story. So all around... I'm not I'm I'm not quite prepared to call Alan Grant and Norm Brayfogle the Lennon and McCartney of of Batman creators. I don't know if I'm quite ready to give them that level of prominence, but I will say that like I you know like I say they they really do work well together. They really do bring the best out of one another. And a good example, well there's no single good example, but one of the good one of one of the best examples I think is actually Today's story, Detective Comics number 612. And again, it's one of those one crazy night types of stories where basically the entire narrative takes place in just a few hours, during which time literally anything can happen, anything at all. And this, I can't even really describe why, but just to even look at this cover told me that this this comic is going to be something special, you know? So I eagerly picked it up. I want to say I was about 13 or 14 years old. Eagerly snatched it right up as a as a back issue. Uh, took it home. And this is a consummate, you know, done in one type of story where there's no larger narrative that's being advanced. There are no, uh, you know, subplots that are being developed. Literally everything you need to know about this story from beginning to end takes place in this one issue, you know? There's no, it doesn't really... Hell, I would go so far as to say you could know absolutely, positively nothing at all about Batman and still not lose too much of anything here, you know? Now, obviously, if you're familiar with Batman, you know, you're probably most ideally positioned to enjoy this story, but I'd go so far as to say you could give this comic to people who have never heard of Batman, have never read a comic book or, or anything, and they would get it. You know, I think they would get it. And so that maybe is about as as good a segue as I can ask for into Detective Comics number 612. Cover date is March 1990. Executive editor is Dick Giordano. Cover artist is Norm Brayfogle. Writer is Alan Grant. Penciler is Norm Brayfogle. Inker is Steve Mitchell. Colorist is Adrian Roy. Letterer is Todd Klein. Synopsis is as follows. Batman saves an old lady from skater punks in Robinson Park. He drops kick he, he drop kicks one of the punks into the bushes where the boy finds a dead body which has been mauled to death by a strange beast. Elsewhere, it's shown that Thomas Blake's Siberian tiger Rasputin has escaped into Gotham City, so he puts on his catman gear and goes looking for Rasputin. Meanwhile, the GCPD are continuing their investigation. 
Commissioner Gordon gets cornered by the bubble-headed bleach blonde news reporter Sarah Dolman, who accuses Catwoman of being responsible for the murder in the park on live TV. Selena Kyle sees that, gets pissed off, puts on her Catwoman gear, leaps out her window, and makes her way to Robinson Park to settle Sarah, Sarah Dolman's hash. Not far away, Batman finds the tiger, Rasputin, while it's in the process of eating a burglar who'd been trying to break into the roof of the Hotton building. That's Hotton. H-O-T-T-I-N. Keep an eye on that, because we're going to be coming back to that in just a minute. Catman sees Batman attack Rasputin, so he slices Batman's bat rope and then forces Batman to fight the tiger with his bare hands. Batman beats the tiger into submission while Catwoman intervenes and tosses Cat, uh, Catman off the roof. Catman survives the fall, and he stumbles past two shady animal catchers. These two guys have been driving around all night catching stray cats so that they can sell them to a research lab. When they see Catman, they piss their pants and swear to never hurt cats ever again. Meanwhile, back at Robinson Park, Catwoman finds Sarah Dolman and angrily shouts at her that she doesn't eat people. This is all being broadcast on live TV, so uh, Catwoman smashes the cameras. Later, Batman arrives at the police scene in the park, bleeding from multiple injuries, and informs Gordon that he and the police need to haul balls and capture the tiger, which they can find at the top of the Hotton Roofing Building. No, that's not a joke. The tiger is taken to the zoo, and Catwoman happily returns home. The end. So, what did I think? Well, like I was saying before, this story is everything that a Batman story... Well, I can't really say that it's everything a Batman story should be, but it is everything that a Batman story can be. Does that make sense? I don't think that every single Batman story that comes along should be one of these one crazy night types of stories, but you can do that kind of story and you can do it especially effectively with with Batman. And I mean, really right from the very first page, you know, what we're seeing here is a it's just a really masterful layout in terms of the page. You I mean, instantly it sets the scene that number 1, whatever it is that's going on, it's taking place in a in a public park. Number 2, what we're seeing is a crime in progress. Basically, these skateboard punks attack this old woman. One snatches her purse while the other one knocks her over so she can't chase after them. And then they get to zip off on their, uh, on their skateboards. And then when you look closer to the top of the page, what you see is Batman's silhouette uh, swinging around uh, through the city. And it just instantly sets up every like basically the big picture of this story and everything that comes from it and it's on page uh it's not really so much on page two because page two is, is where batman beats the shit out of these out of these punks and so there's really not a whole lot of story stuff happening there it's just batman kicking some ass but it's on page three that we find that the only reason that this old woman was ever out at this hour of the night was because her cat had her, her cat's gone missing and the reason her cat has gone missing is because those two uh, jerks in, in the truck that are driving around capturing cats and selling them off to a, to, a research, to a research lab 
kidnapped her cat and that's why this old woman can't find it. So it gives her a reason to be in the park. It gives these crooks something to do and it gives Batman entree into this story because it's it's one of the skateboard punks who finds the dead body in the uh, in the park. <clears throat> And that's, and, and that's what first gets Batman involved in this aspect of the story. And so from there, it's, it, the dominoes just fall. This is an incredibly well-constructed story. And I think it's, it's the sign of a real master whenever you read the story and you think to yourself, yeah, I could do that. Well, maybe you can and maybe you can't. But I guess the, the issue is Alan Grant makes it look easy. And the fact is, there are so many moving parts to this story, a deceptive number of moving parts to this story, a lot more than you might think. Because it looks like it's really just two stories with Batman chasing down the tiger, and then maybe as kind of a sub thing, a, a, sub, a subplot, Catwoman a, a attacking Sarah Dolman. But really, there are a lot of moving parts here, and everything that happens in this story happens because of things that the characters are doing either to each other or else that are happening around them and then they're reacting to, you know? And, you know, nothing in this story happens arbitrarily. Everything happens from actions and decisions that the characters are making. And like I say, it's the sign of a master that you don't necessarily notice all that until you start going over things with a fine-tooth comb. And... It, this is just an incredibly well-constructed story from a technical standpoint. But, you know, I kind of have to be a little stupid to overlook the art. I mean, like I say, I mean, you've got that amazing first page where it, it on a visual basis, sets up literally everything that happens in this story. But it also gives you kind of a flavor of the story, you know? And... It again is the sign of a master that Bray Fogle can do so much in just one page. You know, tells you everything you need to know with just one page. It's just really awesome. That's what I'm saying. And you know, this whole takedown of the skate punks, it's just really well done, and it's just really masterful visual storytelling. You know, and the other thing, and this is kind of getting more now into page three. The other thing is. Something that I don't know that Bray Fogle gets enough credit for is, I'm not even sure what you call this type of illustration, but it's like, it's the reaction shot. And the second to last panel on page three, we see Batman sort of in the background and the dead body is in the foreground. It's obviously been mangled and chewed up and stuff. And... Batman basically has an exclamation point over his head and his eyes are all wide and everything. And you can, we don't actually see the facial expression that he's making. And I think it, maybe the story is better for that because now his expression can be whatever you want it to be, you know? And this is, this is just a, a, a really neat way to, to construct the page. This is just, I, I love this. I could just, I, I just eat this stuff up with a spoon, you know, because in a lot of ways, this this really is my era of Batman. You know, this is the era of Batman that, you know, when I got in on the ground floor and this is this is basically what I want from Batman. You know, just it, it's really neat. 
As to page four, this is where Thomas Blake puts on his Catman gear. And I must say, this was the first exposure that I ever had to Catman. And I, you know, I didn't really know a whole lot about Catman even after this. I mean, I knew the basic shtick of it, you know. Thomas Blake is obviously a criminal. His alias is Catman. And maybe it's just the costume that he wears, but I wanted to know more about Catman. And so, yeah, Secret Six was a pretty good book for that. And I kind of like the idea of a character called Catman. I don't even know why, but this is, this is just really neat. I just, I like this. And plus he's just got this really, like I say, just this kind of garish costume. It's this or this kind of goldish, orangish, yellowish type of a thing. And it's it's a little 90s, I'll say that. Not in terms of having like shoulder pads and all those unnecessary pouches and all that stuff, but the way his belt kind of hangs on him and that giant emblem on his chest and all that, it just seems very 90s to me for some reason. And I just, that's not a, that's not a, a an insult either. I mean, to me, that's, that's a that's positive so definitely I, I like that and like i say i just i wanted to know more about catman after reading this story but i don't think alan grant and norm brayfogel ever did another catman story or if they did i'm just blanking on it i don't know but I don't, I don't think they ever did i think this is pretty much it right here so getting into page five this is where Gordon ends up getting a little bit cornered by Sarah Dolman, the newscaster. And, you know, guys, we've all, we've all seen news stories like this where the newscaster tries to present the story in the most lurid way possible. And I'm sorry, the only logical explanation for what happened in the park is... It's not murder, it's that the whoever the dead body is in the park, and I don't think we ever actually find out, but whoever that dead body is in the park, he was obviously mauled by some kind of animal. You know, some something some kind of animal did that to him. And yet Sarah Dolman is determined to turn this into some kind of a case of cannibalism. And this isn't because of the evidence. It's actually in spite of the evidence. And Gordon even kind of jumps her shit about it, too. He says, I told you, we're looking for an animal. When we find it, I'll let you know. Until then, I thank you to keep your lurid suppositions to yourself. And basically just tells her off on, on live TV. And, you know, this is something that we don't really see a whole lot of in actual news shows, but I think, you know, there are times when maybe the cops should get after the newscasters, but in any case, Sarah Dolman isn't going to let it go, and from there, we start getting into page six, where we see Selena Kyle watching the same newscast, and Sarah Dolman basically goes on to say, I'm not convinced that this isn't a human, and in fact, the full story of the Catwoman was never revealed to the to the public, but if she is connected to tonight's grisly find, then the citizens of Gotham have every right to be told the truth. Which, of course, is absolute horseshit. But nevertheless, 
you got to chase those ratings, buddy. So she's just saying whatever it is she has to say. And I don't know. This is just, this is just so true to life. You know, I find this, you know, in this story of, of, you know, guys in capes who's, who jump off of buildings and stuff like that. This is just one of those relatable real world types of things where, yeah, you don't need a whole lot of imagination to, to see I don't know, like the truth of it, I guess is what I'm saying. And so from there, we, we get into our first little interlude with these cat kidnappers. And, you know, they're basically going back and forth about, you know, between each other. Basically talking, I guess, trivia about cats. And, you know, honestly, the, the conversation that they're having with one another is, I don't know, it's a little scholarly for what you would imagine are common garden variety scam artists, you know? One of them says, I mean, it's hard to believe the ancient Egyptian, uh, Egyptians even worshipped them, meaning cats, that they even worshipped cats. The other guy says, yeah, you take history last year? Old Dawson uh, told us about some geek busting open a, a pyramid, found a, a quarter million mummified cats inside. The other guy says, wow, really? Holy shit, what do you do with them? And the guy says, sold him to Liverpool, England for fertilizer, <laughs> which is kind of funny. But at the same time, you know, it's a little hard to believe that garden variety scam artist thieves like this would, I don't know, that they'd remember something. They, they'd have recall of something like that, you know? So I don't know, whatever. It's funny. So, you know, you're really not supposed to think about it too much. But it, it there are a couple other moments like that in the story where, it, you do kind of get taken out by taken out of the story by how knowledgeable these guys are about cats. You know, for people who are just in it for the money, they sure seem to be kind of experts. So, anyway, elsewhere you've got Catman. He's swinging through the city, and he's kind of doing, honestly, a lot of the same type of stuff that Batman does. And you know, swinging around on on buildings, and he's got this retractable grapple line, and it's just really neat and he's kind of borrowing a lot of i don't know sort of the batman visual largesse and you know he he does this just about as well as batman does you know and it's kind of interesting to see but anyway elsewhere we start we start getting into uh the burglar breaking into the hot and roofing building and he ends up getting attacked by Rasputin the Tiger, which Cat uh, Catman and Batman both overhear at different parts of the city, and so they converge on the hot and roofing building. Elsewhere, we see Catwoman jump out the window. This is on page 10. We see her jump out her apartment window and go looking for Sarah Dolman. Elsewhere, Batman swoops in on, on Rasputin, munching on the burglar and at this point it's pretty clear the guy's dead uh Rasputin killed him you know so Batman tries to take Rasputin out but before he even can Catman basically cuts Batman's line with a catarang I guess and Batman smacks his head on this looks like the side of the building here and he's at least for the moment down for the count and from there, we cut back to these cat thieves going back and forth between each other uh, about, 
just cat trivia, you know? And one of the one of the thieves says, Man, this is nothing. Scottish people used to roast cats alive. I bet that was a racket. And the first the driver says they ate cats in Scotland. And the other guy says, Nope, they just roasted them. They figured if you burned a succession of cats for a week or so, the noise summoned up the devil himself. Driver says, did it work? Other guy says, nope. But it did lead directly to the invention of bagpipes, <laughs> which is a little bit of a musical crime against humanity there. Now, excuse me while I get a sip off of my Coke here. I've been running my mouth nonstop for, it's been like 15 minutes now. I'm also going to get a drag off my e-cig here. Anyway, so to get uh, to get back into business here, this is page 13. This is sort of the, the Adam West moment of this story where we see that Catman basically has Batman roped to a, uh, a, an antenna on the roof of the building and basically keeps him in place so that Rasputin can kill him and have his dinner. So, and unlike Adam West... You know, Batman actually does take his lumps here. He's He gets, you know, slashed to pieces by the tiger, and he's barely staying a step ahead of uh, ahead of Rasputin and his claws. And what Batman realizes is, number one, he's got no time to snap the rope that's tied to his ankle. There's no chance, rather, there's no way to snap it. He doesn't have time to untie it. He doesn't have a tool to cut it. I mean, he's kind of fucked. So... Instead of panicking, what he does is he breaks off pieces of the antenna and uses that to keep Rasputin's claws at bay while he just kicks Rasputin into a fucking oblivion. And, you know, who's to say that Catman might not have intervened on Rasputin's behalf to kill Batman, except that Catwoman swoops in tosses Catman off the building. He crashes into the Cat Thieves van, and that's pretty much it for Catman. He's out of the picture for the time being. And that gives Batman enough time to basically wrap a, a, a part of the rope around Rasputin's neck and basically not strangle him, but he can basically n- deprive him of, uh, of oxygen long enough to knock him out so that the... Uh, the police can take him into custody and he can get dropped off at the zoo. Bat, uh, Catwoman sees that Batman's basically got the situation under control now, so uh, she, she hits the road and heads off to the park, and meanwhile, the cat thieves basically try to figure out what the fuck just happened to their van because something big, loud, and heavy just smashed into it. They open the back where all the cats are, and they get basic... I can't say dog-piled, cat-piled, I guess, by the cats. They get... Sp- just scratched into oblivion, I'd imagine. And then they see Catman staggering out, and this... <laughs> it's not... It, look, it doesn't make 
rational sense, but it is it, it is kind of funny. They take one look at, at uh, Catman and they say, holy fucking shit, this is a judgment. Oh my God, don't let it get us. I'll never sell another another cat to a research lab as long as I live. Other guy says, or me, I promise. And they run off into the distance. Hopefully having learned their lesson. Catwoman, back at the park, Catwoman swoops in on Sarah Dolman, attacks her, smashes the cameras and the lights and stuff, beats the shit out of uh, Sarah Dolman, and then basically hangs her off a tree with her own microphone cord. While Batman, thank God the cameras have been smashed up now, Batman staggers onto the scene. He's bleeding, and he's basically... I think the only thing holding him together at this point is his is his outfit, his skin-tight outfit. And Commissioner Gordon says, holy fucking shit, Batman. And he says, what's left of me? It was a tiger. You'll find it on the Hotton Roof on Elliott Street. Hotton Roof. Hot tin roof. A cat on a hot tin roof. <laughs> Get it? And no, that is not a joke, except it is a joke. So, anyway. And then we get we get to page 22 where the end ends happily. Catwoman is cuddling with her cat and watching TV. All is right with the world. And I don't know why this is just a really fun this is just a really fun story that Honestly, I would say that as far as, you know, sentimental favorites are concerned, this is one of my favorite Batman stories. You know, this isn't, you know, a character-defining type of issue. You know, Batman, he's not up against some giant world-beater, and, you know, the world doesn't hang in the balance. You know, the fate of all mankind isn't hanging in the balance. This is just a fun adventure story, and it's, it's just another one of those One Crazy Night stories that I just fucking love. I love these types of stories, and I think you can do so much with these stories, especially with Batman, and I think especially with this this mode of Batman. You know, this is a very dark, very grim, very driven, very vengeful Batman, but he's a very fallible Batman. Catman is able to get the drop on Batman, and if this was the... I mean, the Grant Morrison Batman, for example... Batman would have some kind of contingency to escape from the trap that Cat, uh, Catman set up for him, you know? But this Batman being more fallible, he gets caught off guard, and that's how Catman's able to get the drop on him on, uh, in the first place. And I don't know, this is just... Uh, that just works for me, you know? I like that. I dig this, this type of story. I dig this story especially. And I really dig this story when you use Batman to tell this type of story. So overall, I highly recommend guys going out to your LCS and getting this issue. I mean, at the most, this is going to set you back like two or three bucks. You know, this is this is just not an in-demand back issue. You know, something tells me you'll be able to find this back issue very easily and very cheaply. So anyway... All around, tons of fun, love this story, and I could not more highly recommend it to all of you. So that, I think, is pretty much it for me in this segment. So what I'm going to do is just take a break, and I'll be right back with some listener feedback in the next segment. Stay tuned. <laughs> 